Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com slash not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Um, okay, Who are spon- who's sponsoring this one? I think this one is Skillshare. Is it? Is it? Have a look. What's the pause? I think it's Skillshare. Yeah. Is it Skillshare though? Because Skillshare was last week. No, it wasn't. Oh no, it was the week before. Yeah, I mean, this must this must be Skillshare. How come we're not getting performance Skillshare? They're definitely making a ton of money out of us. Are they? Well, I can ask what our rate is at the moment. Conversion rate. Da, 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 da. Why are you so obsessed with the with the monetization? Like at the moment, we're we're on small numbers. It's not going to make any difference. Yep, I think we could be getting like double what we're doing. Nah, maybe. Um, yeah, I think this is Skillshare one. All right, shall we? We're recording on all the fronts. All right, <coughs> unlock this. All right. <coughs> Hello and welcome back to Not Overthinking. Tamor, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. It is uh, it's, uh, the final day of fasting in Ramadan. So Eid is tomorrow here in the UK. So looking forward to that. And I think, yeah, I think this has been a, it's been a solid week. How so? I think the company is going all right. Getting some more revenue, getting some more users, getting good feedback. And we're working on some interesting features. Yeah. Yeah, I think my life outside of Causal is a bit non-existent right now, though, because I'm not really getting much meaningful social contact. And yeah, I mean, what else is there, really? (laughs) Well, apart from meaningful social contact. Well, yeah, apart from like... Well, you know what? Toil, toil and friendship. <laughs> That's it. Well, you know what else there is? <laughs> Let me guess. Skillshare. Indeed. Skillshare. Thank you so much for sponsoring this episode of Not Overthinking. Guys, if you haven't heard by now, and if you haven't, I don't know where you've been living, Skillshare is an amazing uh, platform for thousands of online classes from all sorts of topics, ranging from, you know, the creative arts, photography, illustration, graphic design, all the way through to things like cooking and interior design. I've been taking a few cooking classes myself. Um, yeah, you can practically learn anything on Skillshare. Things you should check out are firstly my course on my class rather on uh, video editing and Final Cut Pro. Or if that doesn't quite take your fancy, if you don't want to be a YouTuber, then what you should do is you should check out my class on how to study for exams. And this is like a four hour long masterclass. It's absolutely next level about all of the evidence-based study techniques. So yeah, definitely check those out along with thousands of other classes at skillshare.com forward slash not overthinking for a two month free trial. To be honest, lockdown's probably going to last for the next two months at least. So you might as well sign up to the free trial now. It helps support our podcast and it also, you know, means you can learn some stuff. How was, how was that? That was great. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> I live for your sponsor approval. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was a great ad read, man. Um, how was your week? <laughs> um, how was my week? My week's been, it's been pretty good. I've had mostly normal days at work, which is sort of like starting at eight and finishing at 4 p.m. these days rather than at 5 p.m. because our COVID rotas sort of change timings around a little bit, which has been cool. Um, but it's also been not overly busy. And so in the afternoons, I've had a chance to just kind of sit on the iPad and just kind of tap away. Nice. Um, w- one thing I've started doing, I think from, from today is I'm going to make a commitment that every day I'm going to write a thousand words of stuff oh nice yeah on 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 the computer (laughs) (laughs) and perhaps in the next episode we can talk about kind of techniques and stuff for this because i actually have a legit topic this week oh nice amazing uh, you need to unlock your iPhone first. Yeah. So um, this is a surprise to you. So I want to hear how you how you feel about this. But I think this is, gonna be a, crap. <laughs> this is going to be a good topic. This episode is going to be called 68 Bits of Unsolicited Advice. <laughs> Do you know where I'm going with this? Surely you know where I'm going there was it, it was doing the rounds on Twitter and yeah. stuff recently, right? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, I, th- I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> I, I quite like that. 
<laughs> Excellent. So there is this dude on the internet. His name is Kevin Kelly. He's like, he's 68 years old as of like last week. Um, and he wrote a blog post called 68 Bits of Unsolicited Advice. Uh, do you know anything about Kevin Kelly? Not off the top of my head. No, I mean, he's, he, he's, he's like big in like the tech community because he's, he's like the founder of Wired magazine, which is like a oh, huge, okay. huge like right. tech magazine. Right, right, right. And Kevin Kelly is also famous amongst the kind of entrepreneur startup bro slash creator bro community for having written an essay in like 2000 called a thousand true fans. Uh, oh, he's that guy. He's that guy. Oh, mate, that guy's a legend. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. This guy's a living legend. He's 68 yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. He's got like a white beard and everything. He looks really, he's, he started his own YouTube channel just to read his 68 bits of unsolicited advice. That's amazing. Um, but his, his thesis for a thousand true fans is that a thousand true fans is all you need to make a living as a creator. Cause if you just get a thousand people who like your stuff enough to pay, let's say a hundred dollars a year for your albums or for your live shows or whatever, you can then make basically a living off of this relatively small number of true fans. And so loads of people in the creator sphere are very familiar with Kevin Kelly because of this seminal essay. But I thought in this podcast, similar to our tweet storms and book discussions, we could talk through his 68 bits of unsolicited advice. Get comfortable. <laughs> in fact, this might even make for a two-parter because we can do 30, 34. Is that right? I think that's right, yeah. We can do 34 bits in each episode, and I think that would be good. All right, so part one of 68 bits of unsolicited, 34 bits of unsolicited (laughs) advice, and we can call the next one 34. We're about to lose a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Um, Anyway, right, shall we start with number one? Yeah. We can can read these out like alternate, alternate. Yeah, 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 sure. So number one, learn how to learn from those you disagree with or even offend you. See if you can find the truth in what they believe. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. <laughs> Wait, we need to elaborate on these no, for at least no, a no, minute no. so the podcast can be at least 34 yeah. minutes long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think this is great. Look, I think I think everyone's saying this nowadays or like, oh no, the real skill is being able to like, you know, uh, talk to your opponents or whatever. You know, I, I think like lots of people are saying it. I, I fully I fully back it because I think I think the way disagreements are often portrayed by each party is that the other party is completely sort of irrational and unreasonable and i don't think people work that way if someone else believes something or feels a certain way there will be a good reason for it there'll be a good reason why they themselves arrived at that position and you know that i mean good like relative to the person right so you know if you think uh that trump supporters are you know idiots or whatever i think you're you're kind of missing the point of like you know, what is it that led them to taking that position? Uh, and so I think it's, yeah, it's it's always worth trying to get to the bottom of things. Because, yeah, peop- no one's really that unreasonable or that stupid. Yeah, I buy that. Um, there's like a couple of things that I sort of like uh, mental models that I, th- I, I, th- I think about when it comes to disagreeing with someone. The first one is um, sort of th- thinking to myself, in what circumstances is what they say actually true? Um, That's uh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read a tweet about this yesterday. Yeah, I think it was the tweet, the tweet that I read. I was like, oh yeah, nice one. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna incorporate this into my own vernacular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the second one is when, if, if I'm like actively having a disagreement with someone, the question I would ask is, okay, what position do you think I'm taking? Uh, or what, what position do you think I take that you disagree with? Yeah, yeah. And that forces them to, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, articulate my own point of view as uh, like how they see it and then and then i can be like okay well that's not the position i'm taking the position i'm taking is this yeah do you still disagree with that and and so on so those two are, are two little hacks that I, i've got for yeah I remember, you did that disagreeable to, you people. did that to me on the last podcast i it did was good. it was good <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I was going to comment on it as like a meta thing at the time, but it it, <laughs> it didn't really come up. Yeah. No, I think that's great because I think most times in disagreements or arguments, people are mostly talking past each other. They're not actually on the same page. Um, hey, point number two, being enthusiastic is worth 25 IQ points. This okay. is great. Yeah, love it. <laughs> there's this one and then there is uh context is worth i don't know 25 that, that's another like uh common one so the the theory behind this is clearly that you know if you're enthusiastic that that basically makes up for whatever supposed deficiency in iq you might have or increases your your iq i think it's fairly fairly uncontroversial have you have, have, have you noticed examples of this like irl yeah i think i'm just like i do better at the things that i enjoy doing and that i care about doing i yeah i think i'm actually particularly bad at doing doing well at things that i don't care about uh and so for me like the enthusiasm thing is definitely a big part of it i think this is uh this sort of goes to you know the the productivity equation i think that i that i came up with that we talked about in our productivity episode um several several times which is that productivity equals useful output divided by time multiplied by the fun factor and like the more we yeah, can yeah, kind of yeah. have fun doing the stuff that we're doing the more just everything and our productivity is going to get better in so many ways but yeah. i think that i think this is like a real conundrum for people in schools especially who are kind of actively being forced to study and do exams for things that they really don't really care about yeah do you like have you got any kind of tips for these people because we often i mean i mean i i don't know if our email account gets this sort of emails but this is like one of the commonest complaints that i get on my instagram and, and through emails and stuff is you know how do i bring myself to do this work that i actually don't want to do yeah i don't know i'm not very good at that <laughs> <laughs> good luck cool so moving on uh number three is always demand a deadline a deadline weeds out the extraneous and the ordinary it prevents you from trying to make it perfect so you have to make it different different is better yeah i back it Always demand a deadline. I think he's talking about in in terms of when you're like sort of when you've got employees or something or because how, how else do you always demand a deadline? I think he's talking about just like for any project that you're trying to do projects in quite a broad sense of like, I want to make a video or I want to like write this thing. Paint the basement. Paint the basement. Yeah. yeah. A deadline weeds out the extraneous and the ordinary. It prevents you from trying to make it perfect. Yeah. So you have to make it different. Yeah different is better i think that yeah, is, yeah, that's yeah. Like i a, love i love the whole different effect. yeah different is better is that like next level what's your what's your theory on that? yeah just fully back it i think like i've talked about this before i think we're sort of raised in these uh in these little dens where we're sort of pitted against one another in competition in like school and university and the job market and all this kind of stuff and i think it's highly worthwhile to undo the uh the i must compete with other people on things <laughs> you know <laughs> And yeah, just uh, well, be a better place if everyone find, found their thing <laughs> rather mm. than everyone competing in the same uh, horse race. Yeah, like I think, I think I first came across this as usual in in the four hour work week, which was yeah. which was really my first introduction to or, or like this whole spiel of stuff. And, and and I guess it was for a lot of people because it was sort of ahead of its time, as it were, in terms of making people aware that there are different ways to, for example, make a living than to kind of compete on. A, compete in the same game like we've been doing with like the exam results game or the university degree game or, or whatever game yeah um the way that it was phrased there is um i think one quote is i'm, I'm not sure if it's from the book but it's different is better than better nice <laughs> which is <laughs> <That's> good <laughs> which is a nice one um, yeah. and and another one is don't try to be the best try to be the only yeah exactly I, yeah. where you're kind of defining your own category and so like for me i think about this a lot in the sense that i'm certainly not anywhere near kind of the best doctor i could be i'm also definitely not the best youtuber or the best singer or musician but like i'm probably one of the best people in the world doing like all or, or, or rather one of the only people in the world or rather one of the only people in the world doing kind of all of the all of the things and i think the more i think in general the more 
differentiated we can make ourselves through having broad interests and having projects that are at the intersection of different fields the more better we can make ourselves better. i don't know i mean when you, when you said that I, I thought it was a weird framing because you were saying you, you know you're trying to peddle the whole thing of like different is better but then <laughs> your conclusion was actually i am the best <laughs> uh you, you no, that's not my conclusion uh, my, my conclusion is i am the only right okay um yeah okay maybe it was just your phrase um, yeah well you know it's it's hard to get away from the phrase better and best in this sort of context because i i, yeah, I, fine, I, I also fine. kind of cringe internally whenever this sort of comparator is applied yeah um but uh, yeah i think kind of in this context as well like uh i put out a video last week called how, how to make money online which is all about kind of three ways of making money oh yeah this about... was good this was good stuff oh. i've sent it to a few friends you have really yeah oh, sick. oh no 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 have i no i sent your previous one to a few friends i, I actually don't know oh, about the one about how much money i made yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so now you were like hey check this guy out. yeah <laughs> um, anyway last week i released one called how to make money online which is about the three levels of making money online level one selling services level two selling products level three selling attention um and in the attention bit i was talking about how uh, I, and a lot of the comments were about how, yeah, I want to start a blog, but I don't know what to write about. I, I, I don't feel I have anything to add. Yeah. But there's all this sort of stuff about, you know, there are no, there are no unique messages, only unique messengers. And you are the only one who's, and you're the best at being you. And therefore, if you just kind of do you, but online publicly, yeah. then nice things happen. Anyway, let's get off this. Your turn. Don't be afraid to ask a question that may sound stupid because 99% of the time, Everyone else is thinking the same question and is too embarrassed to ask it. Oh, I know mate. you're a fan of this. I'm mate. This is like one of the maxims <laughs> I live my life by. <laughs> Don't be afraid to look foolish, to, to, to be thought foolish. There's, there's two examples uh, that I can think of. Firstly, is that is that university in like lectures and stuff? Yeah. Obviously, you know, I've I've been I've I've had zero qualms about asking questions and stuff in lectures. Yeah. Uh, since like second year, and it's just been great because you know other people are like, oh yeah, it's a good point. I was asking that. Yeah. But the other one was. Um, in uh, in September last year, I went to Belfast for this uh, vi- YouTuber conference called The Power of Video. And at the end of every talk, I made a point to ask a question to the point where by the end of the conference, it was a meme that I was going to ask a question at at the end of every talk. Oh, okay. And as I was kind of going around, I, I but people were like, oh, you, it's you. You're the guy that's asking a question at every talk. And I was like, yeah, man, check me out. <laughs> a bit. And, and, and the people sitting next to me were, were saying that, yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question. I was thinking the same thing, but I, I wouldn't have had the guts to put my hand up in front of yeah. sort of 300 people to ask it. And I think j- j- just like having having that sort of attitude, like, you know, I paid like 300 quid to attend this conference. Everyone else there had paid 300 quid to attend the conference to learn from these kind of big name speakers. Yeah. And yet just the fear of being thought foolish was holding these people back from asking the questions they wanted. Yeah. And it does feel like a superpower when, when you're like the only one of like a few people in a, in a huge setting. Yeah. To just have no qualms about asking questions. And really everyone, everyone kind of appreciates it. So I... I I don't. I don't know what the thought process thought process is. I, th- I, I think it's a very it's a very flawed thought process that means people are, are afraid to put their hand up and ask a question. Yeah, I think people almost feel like in their que- their question has to be a valuable contri- their question without the answer has to be a valuable contribution um, to to sort of the discussion. Uh, yeah, and I think it, it's also a bit of just like fear of public speaking and yeah, I guess that kind of thing. I think I think the university one is a bit more nuanced though because in lectures the points at which I wanted to ask a question would usually be after I've been <laughs> disengaged for about fifteen minutes. You're like, oh, what are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can we go back to page two? <laughs> uh, and that's not a good that's not a good question to ask. Um, so yeah, I think that's uh, there's a few different camps of questions you can ask. Yeah. What, what about if it, like in in maths, would the lecturers ever kind of throw out a question and expect someone to answer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one would say anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's the funniest thing. It's always so awkward. You could, you, you could like sense the tension kind of building up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
instead of being on the receiving end like uh, have you have you ever done a teaching session for like a big group of people once or twice and, yeah. and have you felt the awkwardness when you when you toss out a question and no one no one responds no i think my class was enthusiastic oh ah, okay because yeah. I, I i have felt that many a time where oh, it's, okay. it's it's like such a ugh kind of feeling where you, where you toss out the question and, and no one is responding because everyone is, is worried uh, i was i was doing a a sexual health workshop a few a few months ago oh, yeah. um for the obstetrics and gynecology society um and at various points i was trying to keep interactive so i was throwing out questions and there was one where like literally no one responded for about 30 seconds and i just kind of relaxed i just kind of stood there <laughs> and i just waited and then in the end like annoyingly the person who was like co-facilitating it with me was like oh come on you know we we, we shouldn't do this to them but i wanted to kind of keep the silence stretching just to make the point that we need to just to kind of in a way train these guys to, to become comfortable with these potentially awkward silences and to hopefully force someone to be like okay you know i'll i'll, I'll have a go yeah um but I why, why didn't you like break out into a little speech about like all right let's start <laughs> let me tell you a little something about asking questions <laughs> i just give them a whole spiel about it i probably would have done had i not been interrupted to kind of 30 seconds into the silence. Oh, okay. <laughs> i wanted the, the, the tension to mount uh, this was uh, actually i heard one of these speeches when i was 17 and it really stuck with me and i think this speech that i heard when i was 17 was what made me okay with asking questions and things oh yeah it was it was one of those like career like medicine careers days that was being held at like south end high school for boys okay uh, and so the medics from from our school westcliff we all kind of went in the minibus and kind of drove and yeah and it was like a, a day trip uh, and <laughs> there were the road, exactly yeah. drove across the road and, the, and there were people from all around the county because it was like a big county thing so there were like some 500 people in this lecture theater and some doctor dude was giving a speech about it was talking about how he got into medicine and at various points he was trying to be interactive he was throwing a question out and the first couple of times people sort of no, no one responded and he kind of did the thing and then like the third time it happened he was like right guys look come on <laughs> you're all applying to medical school here you are not going to survive medical school if you do not have the confidence to just shout out an answer like you really need to work on this for the next five years this is going to yeah. be bad for your life <laughs> and i was like oh shit well, you're right you're totally right oh my god and then yeah. that that was the thing that changed it for me yeah that's great yeah i i fully back that i was gonna say something that was relevant to the discussion what was it gonna be oh yeah i think it's like a classic this happens on sort of calls sometimes so you know if, if i'm uh if i'm talking to a potential customer or something if it's one-on-one it's fine because it's like one-on-one if it's like if it's like me talking to like three or four people from the same company or something who all want to see what the product is then it's it's hard to do over video call because i'll be like sharing my screen and then i'll ask them a question or i'll say like cool does that all make sense and everyone is kind of expecting everyone else to say something and i think this is like a classic thing that happens in groups where uh, there's, there's, there's like a term that people use to describe this phenomenon where like everyone you know it's it's like if you're in a public place and you see someone fall over or something and there's a bunch of people around you kind of assume that oh someone else will go and help them or something whereas if it was just you and them then you'd go and help them you know I, what's the word for this there's a word for it no it's uh, the bystander effect yeah 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 i think it's a bystander effect so i think that that's a big part of um this thing yeah I've, I've been i've been noticing this in my in my zoom supervisions with my first year of medical students for, oh, yeah. for physiology like i will ask a question and be like all right um any any questions this front or does everything make sense and there's just one guy who kind of responds kind of for the group but everyone kind of knows <laughs> that he's, he's going to respond for the group right yeah, yeah. but, but I, I think it's good now because if 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 more than that guy has any questions they're now kind of comfortable with kind of voicing them so yeah. i think that's good good stuff right i think we need to go faster through these uh, we we don't have to get through all yeah i guess but like we should you know if there's 68 we should talk about the interesting ones not every single one okay here we go right <clears throat> being able to listen well is a superpower while listening to someone you love keep asking them is there more until there is no more <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. Did you know that uh, listen and silent are spelled with the same letters? <laughs> oh. Deep. That would have been on Tumblr circa 2010. <laughs> 2010. 2010. Uh, that was in uh, room E21 where our Form 7N was. Oh, uh, really? In 2005. <laughs> nice. Listen in silent. A worthy goal for a year is to learn enough about a subject so that you can't believe how ignorant you were a year earlier. I back it. Yeah, I like I've, it. I've been thinking similar thing where not like a year. I've been thinking like every, well, as part of my sort of weekly retrospective that I do these, these, uh, these days, where I look back on my week and think about how uh, how my week's been and how I can improve my life. I have like a few categories of things. It's broadly like uh, work, so like causal stuff, and then social stuff, and then intellectual per- pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the word, but people, people use the word. Where like, yeah, like I'm interested in various topics, and I think I'm going to do a thing. Well, I've been thinking about doing a thing where every month I'm like just exploring, just like reading content about one particular topic that i'm interested in and there's there's like a bunch of these so for, you know i for a while i've been reading a lot about transaction analysis and that kind of stuff and i was thinking that it would be good to completely limit the content you consume to just like one of these topics because if you you know if if you think about consuming content currently you know there's lots of different channels there's lots of like there's lots of scrolling and expecting the content to come to you uh you know scrolling through twitter scrolling through youtube and fine one in a hundred times this like aimless wandering will strike gold uh, and you'll be like whoa i'm really glad i picked oh, on that 68 piece of life advice yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh i'm not overthinking episode 58 68 yeah. pieces of life <laughs> 58 and 59 and 60 <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah um like you'll you'll strike gold like one in a hundred times but apart from that you're not really i don't know i feel like it's more it's more useful and actually more interesting to consciously seek out content about a particular topic and then it, it also like solves a lot of problems because then it's like ah there's no point in scrolling through twitter unless i see it as like purely entertainment whereas right now the issue with stuff like twitter is that it's part entertainment and part how i discover interesting stuff and so i spend a lot of time on that whereas if i was like okay this month i'm only going to read about you know the history of probability <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> then you would have no reason to get distracted from your work uh yeah then like you can find really good stuff about that. You can go deep on that. And like, if you think, if you think about how many things you're sort of a relative, you're sort of more than a layman in, mm. it's, it's probably not that many. It, and, and that's because probably like once a year, mo- I'd, I'd say most people end up pursuing their curiosity in something to become more than a layman in it. So for example, one thing that stayed with me is when I, when I was 16, I bought a DSLR and I learned about like photography and filmmaking and I don't really take photos or film stuff that much, but like it's all it's all stayed with me, and I'm really glad I know how cameras work and I know what all this stuff means. Um, and yeah, like for most of my life, maybe like once a year there'll be a thing where I go deep on on this topic. But you could feasibly do that twelve times a year, and your life will become more meaningful from sort of uh, understanding things that you care about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I back that. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like I also kind of dip into sort of the stream of of the internet, like with Twitter and stuff. Be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Or like whatever. Yeah. Um, but I find that, and I find that, like, when I'm actively researching a topic, it just happens so quickly because you just Google it and you're like, oh, I, <laughs> like, I haven't just Googled anything in such a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
tips, like writing tips for productivity or, or like whatever the thing is, be like, oh, damn, there's all these like 10 articles and read all of them. Oh, wow, I've, I've, I've got the answer. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in the, like, for, for some reason for the last year, I've, I've had this thing of like, yeah, I guess I should explore these streams and build up my own kind of thought patterns on it. And then I realized that actually some dude in blog post in 2009 has written it word for word what I was, what I was thinking about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I back this deliberate researching thingy. I feel like I need the name, exploring, going broad versus going deep. Yeah, maybe something like that. Uh, okay, right. Oh, is it my turn now? Uh, all right, here we go. So gratitude will unlock all other virtues and is something you can get better at. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, that's pretty good. No, no um, add. It's something you can get better at. So the, the, this is something I'm trying to get better at. So I have as part of my daily daily thingy kind of write three things three things that i'm grateful for but i always find a bit, a bit of a struggle because i'm like oh three things i'm grateful for i can kind of look around and be like well i guess this desk is nice or i guess i'm typing on my ipad and that's kind of cool or you know i like the fact that i've you know the audiobook i was listening to in the car this morning or yeah whereas and and people say that when you do the gratitude thing it's very easy to be like i'm grateful for my friends i'm grateful for my family but you should actually if you focus on like the smaller things oh okay like the feel of the wind on my face right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then apparently that's more legit and makes you more kind of noticing of the gratitudeness in life. Yeah. Yeah, you know, noticing the little things and all that kind of stuff. All right. Treating a person to a meal never fails and is so easy to do. It's powerful with old friends and a great way to make new friends. This is one of my favorite ones on this. Um, yeah, it's, it's really? great. Like this is, it's, it's like for, for, for the last few years, I've had this thing on my website being like, hey, if you're in Cambridge and you want to hang out, I'll, I'll buy you a coffee. Oh, okay. and, so, and so far, like, I think at least 25 people have taken me up on that over the last kind of year, yeah. two years. And I just kind of met these random people. And it's just like, a, a, like, they've all been interesting conversations. A lot of them have turned into sort of uh, business relationships or, or whatever. Um, and it's just been great. And now, like, I kind of feel that... If I'm, for example, going out to dinner with a friend, I actually prefer if I'm the one who's paying for it, <laughs> like in a way, because I feel like it's a very, it's a very easy thing for me to do. And then I like the fact that I can kind of be like, oh, I'll get this one you, you, then, and you can get the next one if it's yeah. someone I'm interested in meeting again, because then it, it sort of sets this expectation that yeah, we're, we're yeah, going to yeah. hang out and, and do this thing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I also much prefer that rather than splitting the bill. Um, yeah, because it's you're kind of assuming that you'll be friends, kind of thing. Uh, I I feel like one. I'm not sure how much I agree with what you said because I've I've done the thing where you meet people for coffee and it's it's like nice, you know, it's a pleasant conversation or something. But I feel like it's sort of pointless unless you. Okay, I don't want to say pointless. It's not pointless, but I think I think a one-off meeting with someone is generally not that uh, worthwhile for both parties uh, i think it's like far more worthwhile if it turns into like you know you know either, either like hanging out in real life more regularly or it turns into sort of an actual thing okay and i suppose you, but you to- can't turn it into the actual things unless you have the one-offs like yeah, that's yeah, sort yeah. Of the, the top of the funnel I, yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah i guess you, you need you need that first step but <clears throat> yeah i've definitely had a lot of situations where and yeah maybe this is just lack of me or the other person being proactive where you know we, we have, have like a one-off hangout and then you kind of won't really do it again or you'll in what sort of context um i think there's the context uh there's a context of like catching up with people so yeah there's lots of people from university who okay. i you know who i wasn't like close friends with but you know we kind of hung out a few times and so oh you know since graduating i've like caught up with people a few times uh and i feel like that's generally pointless <laughs> yeah but i guess, uh, yeah i guess you you just kind of need to do that to then go deeper later on with certain people that you yeah. have some sort some of maintains kind of... maintains the relationship at some at some level right and meeting up in real life is more of a maintenance of relationship than for example you know a text message every now and then yeah hmm. yeah like for me the coffee thing it's like always been valuable in some way but but i think that is i think it's more about like how you 
approach it in the sense that there's that quote that um, every man is my better in some way and therefore I can learn from him or, or, or things like that. Yeah, sure. And so like whatever the situation is, like I can't imagine, I can think of only like one or two coffee meetings where I feel like, okay, that was an objective waste of time. Whereas the other 28 have been like, oh, actually that was, that, that was great. I'm glad I took the half an hour out of my day to do that. Oh yeah. I, I don't think I'm ever not glad to do it. I just, yeah, I, I guess the point I was just making was that I think it's a shame if, uh, if it doesn't lead to something more, because I think there's a lot of, a lot more value in the something more than there is in okay. the initial meeting. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would disagree. I wouldn't say it, I wouldn't say it's a shame. I think, you know, s- some relationships are just yeah. meant to be one night stands <laughs> and other relationships are meant to be kind of full-on relationship and that's fine yeah one thing that actually yeah there's there's one like class of one-off meetings which i think are always good which is if you're in a new city or, or like a new country and you meet meet someone there mm. that's always great and then because, meet someone you already know uh no no so or, meet meet someone new okay or, or even meet someone you already know i think both both are pretty special um because then they're like you know you know that you kind of have a friend in that city or country and you know when you go there again you hang out or when they when they come to your country you hang out and that's really nice and there's like been a bunch of friends that i've made over the years that i've either met them when they were visiting the uk or uh when i was like visiting the us or whatever and yeah we still see each other like once or twice a year oh sorry once every year or two and you know you keep up with what they're up to on instagram and stuff and it's 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 nice to have that i think yeah it's like it's like it's like a friendship that you know is kind of limited to when you both happen to be in the same city and there's no other kind of pressure on it Uh, yeah and there's there's no like pressure on it and it's just like a nice uh a nice sort of thing that's what a lot of people say they develop when they go like traveling for an extended period of time like you make kind of these these friends with other travelers and firstly that means that while you're traveling together you can get like really deep really quickly because you know that actually this is kind of a very fleeting kind of relationship and therefore it's fine but also then you have a friend when you're visiting Portland, Oregon, because you met on the trail like five years ago. Be like, hey, yeah. do you want to hang out? Like, hell, hell yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think kind of having having like a network of sort of these nodes around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where it's you amazing. can just kind of be like, hey, who wants to hang out? I think that's one of the powers of having a reasonably sized following on something like Twitter like yeah, or yeah. Instagram. Like, 100%. literally anywhere in the world you go, you can be able you can put out a blast being like, hey, I happen to be in. I don't know, Toronto, anyone want to grab coffee? <laughs> right. Well, no, I, I imagine, I, I think I'm in a good place on that. Because if I post on Twitter that I'm in a new city, there will typically be a handful, maybe a handful or you know, less than a dozen replies saying, oh, cool, let's hang out. And then you can actually hang out with one or two people. Hmm. Whereas I imagine if you post something, you're going to have to host <laughs> an Ali Abdal meetup <laughs> or nothing. <laughs> like you can't just, well, I mean, I guess you could just have coffee with one person but no but so like my plan for the uh, for, for the traveling thing is that if if i'm in a totally random city where i you, you know i'd be like hey who wants to who wants to host me for like a few days that sort of thing and, I, and, I, and i'm hoping there'll be that will whittle down the numbers <laughs> oh like who wants to let me to the house who wants to let me to the house <laughs> and sleep on the couch for a few days yeah exactly and oh okay kind of yeah hang out with a friend and sort of tap into that local that's network good yeah that, i think that's good yeah rather than kind of one-off coffee yeah all right don't trust all-purpose glue. I love it, mate. I fully back this. Freaking all-purpose glue. I mean, I was going to move on from this one, but yeah, by all means. No, no, I fully back this. I'm all about... Uh, I hate multi-purpose things. Oh, they're, so like they're a, the worst. So like a sofa bed is your, your worst nightmare? No, no, I don't mind a sofa bed. I think a sofa bed, you know, it doesn't come at too high a cost. I think two-in-one shampoo and hair conditioner comes at a high cost. I have a friend who has a bed with built-in speakers and lights <laughs> and this has always struck me as the stupidest decision one could make what is wrong with a bed with a speaker and lights 
there are okay the sofa bed is fine you know the issue with the bed with speaker and lights is that there are almost certainly you know you introduce a lot more constraints to the bed and there are almost certainly design trade-offs many design trade-offs both aesthetically and in terms of you know comfort that you have to make in order to integrate freaking speakers and lights into your bed really i mean yes. lights just led strips on the bottom of the bed which you can add to any bed and speakers are just sort of grills on the side of the bed which you can add to any bed why is it a big deal <laughs> no it's a big deal dude i think i think okay if you're buying a bed if if the bed that you really like happens you know in terms of its looks and its comfort and its size and stuff happens to also have a speaker, happens to have a speaker <laughs> and lights <laughs> fine but if you're looking for a bed with speaker and lights you're screwing yourself over just buy a really good bed some good speakers and some good lights. Yeah, that's the other thing about the bed with speaker and lights. The speakers are not going to be good speakers, and like the right, it doesn't matter how good your <laughs> LED lights are. But like you're not gonna, you're not going to be getting good speakers for in a bed with speakers. Fine. <laughs> yeah, I back that. Yeah, like I love things that just do one thing well, and yeah, I'm sca- I'm skeptical of these standing desks, man. <laughs> these uh, like your what? Mate, my standing desk is so good. There's always trade-offs that's, that's that have been made, and maybe it's worth it if you like the standing aspect. Yeah, it's sick. Like I can't imagine what trade-offs w- would be worth it. Like my previous desk was a slab of wood on top of a chest of drawers. My new desk is a slab of wood on top of two pillows that can automatically kind of go up electronically, and I still have the chest of drawers. Like. Yeah, I guess it's fine. Plus, it's really freaking cool to have a standing desk, right? <laughs> it also actually makes me it makes me more productive. Yeah, fine. Maybe it's worth it. Anyway, yeah. So the moral of the story, don't trust all-purpose glue. Reading to your children regularly will bond you together and kickstart their imaginations. All right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found this with my kids. Yeah. Uh, oh, n- never use a credit card for credit. The only kind of credit or debt that is acceptable is debt to acquire something whose exchange value is extremely likely to increase, like in a home. The exchange value of most things diminishes or vanishes the moment you purchase them. Don't be in debt to losers. Yeah, I back that. Back it. I've been doing a lot more reading and stuff about um, money and personal finance and things, because I'm starting to kind of go in that direction with, with the content. Oh, yeah. So I started off with this video where I flex about how much money I make in a week. Yeah. And then it's become, and now it's this kind of how to make money online video. And then the next episode of our book club series is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is a very good book. Um, and then we're going to do kind of more stuff about investing and compounding and all this stuff. So I'm very keen on teaching people that mortgage is good debt and other things are bad debt. Yeah. Yeah. I think personal finance stuff is really, uh, really important. Pros are just amateurs who know how to gracefully recover from their mistakes. Yeah. Good stuff. There's, yep. a, there's a good quote, which is, uh, the, uh, the master has failed more times than the beginner has tried or something. Something like that, you know? Nice. I like that. That's good. Uh, oh, there's another a similar, well, well, not similar one, but like with the, I think the, the class of quote that sort of uh, contrasts pro and amateur is like, is like always interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another, there's another quote in that class, which is that, um, what is it? It's pros show up at the same time every day. Amateurs show up when they feel like it. Oh, or what's yeah, that effect? Like just like more pithy than that. Yeah, than yeah, that. yeah. Um, extraordinary claims should require extraordinary evidence to be believed. Nice. Yeah, yeah. like that. I think that's pretty solid. Yeah, but we won't explore, explore that, that, and that in, more, in more detail. Don't be the smartest person in the room. Hang out and learn from people smarter than yourself. Even better, find smart people who will disagree with you. I, yeah, I'm, so always a bit, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always a bit devious. <laughs> with, as in, I get what people are trying to say, but like the whole smart thing. Yeah. I feel like it's a very American way and it's, it's possibly got less of a cringe factor when it's said in American. Like, you know, smart people, like, oh my God, he's just, you know, a, a, a smart person or, you know, I want to be surrounded by smart people. But like, I would, I would cringe really hard if I, if I said that out loud. Yeah, I don't really like it. <laughs> 
weeks of like lining human beings up on this uh, number line and ranking them in order of some characteristic. <laughs> yeah, I found that Americans and uh, typically kind of Bay Area people, they like to use the phrase the smartest person I know, like, oh, he or she is the smartest person I know. And it's just like, come on, dude, <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> Get your head out of the gutter. <laughs> All right, you're, you're the next. How many, how, how many have we gone through? We're nowhere, we're nowhere near. We don't have to do all of them. We can just do some of them. Um, okay. Rule of three in conversation. To get to the real reason, ask a person to go deeper than what they just said. Then again, and once more. The third time's answer is close to the truth. Yeah, I fully back this. I, I, this, I feel like I may take this too far. And I've been told by a couple of friends. Well, really just one friend <laughs> that I take this too far. Oh, he's Wait. messaging you right now. Sorry? <laughs> he's messaging you right now. <laughs> yeah, he is actually. <laughs> um, yeah. Where I'm always quite keen to explore people's motivations and feelings for things. And I'm pretty open about stuff in general. And so, you know, my default assumption is that other people are open about these things as well. And I suppose I enjoy getting to the bottom of things, both in for myself and in, in other people. And maybe, and I sort of assume that other people enjoy that kind of uh, pursuit. Uh, and so, yeah, with this one particular friend, there are a vast <laughs> assortment of issues <laughs> that often come up that I that I try to sort of deeply explore with him. But he, yeah, I think he's not a fan of it. Uh, I think, yeah, I think potentially they are just kind of sensitive topics for him and so it's it's uh, perhaps difficult for him to talk about some of these things uh and actually i think that's l- less of the time that's the case i think that the the real criticism that he levies against me is that i don't take his word for it when he says that he doesn't know why he feels a certain way or he doesn't know why he thinks a certain thing I, if like we're exploring something and someone and I'm like, oh, okay, like how how come like how come that's your reaction or how come you you know that's you feel that way about something and they're like, hmm, I don't know. I I usually don't really take that as a as like an answer and like there's obviously something to be figured out here. And I think sometimes with this particular friend, I I interpret it, interpret that as him being like cagey or not, you know, just like being cagey about something. Mm. When he he claims that actually a lot of the time he just doesn't know, <laughs> and there's there's not really much more that he can say about something. So uh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I think I'm I'm fairly similar in that I also don't usually take people's word for it when when a conversation kind of gets to that point and it's like oh I don't know yeah. because th- there is always more that can be can be dug out if they're kind of open to open dis- to to discussing yeah, it. Yeah, um, yeah so the, the one that comes to mind is. Um, one time I was in, in, in med school, I was on, on holiday with two other friends. One was a guy, one was a girl. Uh, so that was the sort of dynamic. Um, but, and, and so the conversation w- would often turn to a kind of all three of our relationship woes. Right. Um, and the girl in particular, like I was, I was very keen to understand like where she was coming from with a lot of, a lot of these relationship woes because they were so radically different to kind of my lived experience of yeah. relationships or like thereof. Yeah. No uh, relationship, no worries. <laughs> absolutely. More money, more problems. <laughs> anyway um she would kind of kind of engage with this in like a really good way and i'll be like oh my god i'm I'm learning so much and then like it it would seem almost as if at some point like a switch would would flip and she would she would suddenly get annoyed with the same kind of line of questioning that i'd been sort of exploring and at one point she even said uh, you know like a few weeks into this into this holiday a a few days into this holiday she was like she kind of levied this accusation against me that 
I um, I kind of badger her too much about these topics. And I was completely taken aback. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, like, I mean, like, I, I was just asking questions about it. And you seemed keen to, to sort of right. talk about it. Yeah. You know, if you'd, if you'd been that badgered, you should have said something earlier. And I, th- I think that is still my default position. I suppose a more emotionally aware person would have been like, well, actually, as the person doing the questioning, it's your job to also think about how that questioning is making someone feel and if there's a potential for that that questioning to potentially make them feel bad yeah. you probably shouldn't do it whereas i'm more of well if they're happy to answer the question they're happy to answer the question and they can tell me if uh, you know they'd rather not yeah i know what you mean yeah i think it is, it is worth like bearing in mind other people's boundaries but but if those boundaries aren't made clear then uh, should your default position be to err on the side of caution or err on the side of uh, whatever? yeah no i i think like it's a good default position to be sort of uh curious um but yeah good to bear boundaries in mind cool let's do three more and then we'll call it for the for this uh segment of the episode all right here's one don't be the best be the only we've already talked about that oh that, that was on the list as well yeah <laughs> oh, no. okay. oh this one is good right, I, more. I know we're both fans of this everyone is shy other people are waiting for you to introduce yourself to them they're waiting for you to send them an email they're waiting for you to ask them on a date go ahead oh love it love it absolutely love it absolutely back that uh like the example f- for me that I, 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 always, I always use for this is um in early 2019 i went on a, a trip to sudan uh which was like this medical type thing and we were sort of with this load of this huge group of like doctors and medical students going to like villages and, and offering medical aid and stuff and i was kind of feeling quite shy initially and i was and like you know i wasn't really talking like like actively sort of sort of going up to people and talking to them i was just kind of more talking to kind of my own group right then we were on this kind of bus journey and i, I was i was at the back so i was you know the back of the bus banter i was chatting to the lads yeah and then like at some point in the journey i was like you know what i'm gonna not be shy anymore and i would just kind of walked along and just kind of sat next to kind of groups of people and just started chatting to them and they all they all freaking loved it and I was yeah. like, oh my god that's fantastic i i should do this more in real life <laughs> rather than just yeah in this kind of niche occasion yeah it's great okay final one for this episode is don't take it personally when someone turns you down assume they are like you busy occupied distracted try again later it's amazing how often a second try works i don't think i've ever asked someone out twice <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think in the i think in a sort of romantic context <laughs> yeah ask once and then and then move on mate. yeah usually good to take you know take no for an answer but then you do also hear lots of stories of like yeah persistence being worth more than uh, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah yeah i think definitely a good default is to you know take people at their word if they say no um but yeah i guess there are exceptions yeah but i think like kind of the the broader point he's making here you know don't don't take it personally when someone turns you de- turns you down. Assume they're like you, busy, occupied, distracted. Yeah. Like someone turning you down in any kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is also outside of a romantic context. Yeah. Um, yeah, so th- there's a guy I'm chatting to these days. Um, he runs a... Uh, he He's like a... Uh, he... He's, he's got a business where he manufactures leather products okay uh, sort of in in cambridge and we're trying to work on some like branded merch and things yeah um so but he's 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 got an, an interesting attitude when it comes to text messages so he's been he's been texting me about about this thing that we're, that we're working together on and my attitude towards text is that unless it's sort of a close friend irl that i'm having a conversation with or unless it's an, an emergency i will treat a text message like an email uh, yeah, i will see it and then i'll respond to it in my own time right yeah yeah and i have read receipts on because i'm like yeah whatever you know i might as well let them know i've read the message um so then he would kind of send me a message and then send another one send another one and then one point he was like uh, i i think he he, he kind of got uh, actively pissed off uh, pissed off about this he said he said something like mate i wish you were better at replying to text or something and then i was like right <laughs> and kind of wrote out a long thing about my philosophy about text messaging yeah. and how i view it similar to emails and what i thought was kind of on a on a similar vein i i sort of view emails as text messages in that 
if I get an email, I, I'll usually reply to it rather than with a, hey, Tom, thank you so much for reaching out. I'm thrilled that you like my content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the keyboard that you're asking about is actually the IQ Unix F96. Instead, I will just kind of copy and paste a link to the keyboard and, and that will be that because yeah. otherwise, you know, we'd never get anything done if you just spend all your time replying to emails and texts. Yeah. Um, but then he was saying, oh, okay, cool. I understand that's where you're coming from. And he said that his position was that he feels that if someone doesn't reply, he feels that if he doesn't reply immediately to a text, that he's being rude and the other person will think that he's being rude. Uh, okay. So I think it was just like important that we clarified how we had these yeah. two different interpretations because he was thinking of me as being rude by not replying to him. And I was like, no, this is not. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got your message. <laughs> I will reply to it when I'm out of the cesarean section, yeah. for, exa- for example. How old is he just out of interest? Oh, a few years older than me. Okay. Yeah, because I find with all, I th- I find with younger people, it's well understood what like yeah. I feel like younger people kind of are on the same page about texting etiquette and the fact that like you know you don't necessarily get around to replying to everyone and you know all this kind of stuff and it's it's just like an accepted thing that this is this is how the world works. Whereas I think older people, for example, I think. Mimi feels an obligation to read and watch every random video and message that people send her on WhatsApp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which which seems bizarre to me. Because it's like, yeah, it's like, I mean, clearly it's forwarded to like 14 other people. Yeah, if you're sending me a 10 minute video, I'm going to need some large incentive to watch this. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's just a bit different. Yeah, I think also with Mimi, it's, it's like, you know, this person's. Uh, this person said happy birthday to you on your facebook wall why haven't you replied to them oh <laughs> okay like, yeah yeah yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah i guess i probably should <gasps> yeah and i think with yeah i think with even older people it's like even more different because i think when nani our, our grandma i think when she scrolls through facebook if someone has posted a status she kind of i mean she knows that it's not a, it's not a direct message to her but she feels like it's rude not to respond to someone's yeah. <laughs> status <laughs> i think that's kind of nice i suppose yeah that's sweet but like I suppose going back to the original point, the reason I brought up the text messaging thing was that it's a case of don't take it personally when someone turns you down. Right. Assume they're busy, preoccupied, distracted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I feel saddened that this guy was taking it personally for a whole forty eight hours that I wasn't replying to the text from messages. Yeah. When in reality I was just just a bit busy. Yeah. Yeah, I wish um yeah, there are lots of like sort of text messages from sort of friends and acquaintances and things where I'll like look at it in the middle of the day and think, Oh nice, I'll I'll get to that later and then I don't end up doing it. I, I always appreciate it when the person follows up mm. because I mean, partly it's because like, oh, cool. Yeah. Now we'll actually reply. And partly it's because like, I don't know, there's sort of, you're sort of being up, you know, both parties are upfront at that point about the fact that <laughs> they're keeping it real. Yeah. You're keeping it real about the fact that this message has gone unresponded yeah. and they would like a response. Um, yeah. I often get that when, <laughs> if, for example, if I get a, if I get a message from Molly, it might say, Hey, please, can you settle up on splitwise? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I would see that in the middle of the day where I, where, where well, like currently it would take me too much time to, yeah, do a yeah, bank yeah. transfer to you to set up on, on Splitwise. And I think, all right, I'll get to that. And then it gets to the end of the day and then it gets to the next day and she's like, uh, hello? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sorry, I'll do it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always appreciate the, uh, the old follow-up. Yeah, I appreciate follow-up. But I don't know how much other people appreciate them, so I don't do them too. I, I do them with certain people where it's understood that neither of us <laughs> replies immediately to the other person. Yeah. But like <laughs> at some point, one of us will follow up and then we'll have like a long conversation and then go back to the usual. So on that... Kind of on that, something I've started doing much more now is, so I think ages ago we discussed this idea of having a, a personal CRM, yeah. like a personal, personal database of your friends and sort of a timestamp of when you last spoke to them just to remind you to kind of get in contact with them. Um, and a couple of weeks ago I was doing a live stream with this guy called Valentin 
who uses this extensively like in real life and has actually been using it for like three years and i was like i oh. I, I saw his kind of setup i was like oh that's actually so good because what he does he's got he's, he's got like the name of the friend he's got like their birthday he's got how often he want, he would like to get in touch with them whether it's like yeah once a month once a quarter yeah <laughs> once yeah. a year type yeah <laughs> and there's a formula to remind him <laughs> when he needs to reach out to them yeah and then within his weekly retrospective which is which is another notion template he's got a reminder you know here are the list of people that you need to keep in touch with which is like just an automatic thing that feeds into his weekly retrospective so every week it sort of becomes top of mind yeah and sort of since seeing that i was like oh this is actually the benefit of this yeah if you combine it with a weekly retrospective it kind of makes you forces you in a way to keep on top of this sort of stuff yeah that's great i just wish there were like an easy way to set it all up <laughs> i guess without too much data entry and management yeah the issue is the data so, entry like i find so i've been doing the data entry when i've been having calls with, with people and I, I always kind of kind of appreciate the fact that i've taken 30 seconds to data entry this conversation that we've had oh yeah i do that for like all my sort of business meetings i yeah. suppose like i have a cal- yeah i have notes for every single one and you can look back to like a year ago really? yeah oh nice it's great it's like the best thing that we do internally <laughs> and i yeah we called if i did that for a normal yeah, socializing if you, if you treat your personal life more like a business yeah i mean i was doing it for a while like before the whole lockdown stuff i had a habit of like after a social sesh typically on my like commute back home or whatever i would you know on the tube instead of um you know instead of listening to podcasts or something i would make notes about the sesh and then i can like look back on my notes from my various social sessions um so i think like treating like commuting time as like reflection only <laughs> uh was working quite well for me until all this stuff uh stuff happened yeah i'd quite like to have a commute where i'm for example not actively driving because then i can treat that as oh yeah my yeah. Cause, because then if you can kind of tie the habit of doing your thing and, and tie it to the yeah, commute, yeah. Then, it, then it gets done. Yeah, exactly. And um, another thing I learned from Valentin is that he, you know, like everyone does this thing, you know, like morning, morning journaling practice. Yeah. He said that he does his morning journaling practice when he's on the toilet. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's game changing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when I'm on the toilet, I'm scrolling through something completely pointless. Yeah. Whereas if I just make it a habit that my first morning dump is going to be a sort of mental and physical. <laughs> Indeed. Then, then I think that would be good. Okay. Should we call this episode for now? And then in the next episode, we'll continue our discussion of the unsolicited life advice. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, just for like the the ending amble, the post amble, if you will. <laughs> uh, there was an update you know, at the start of the episode when I asked you how your week was. I think there was a big thing which you missed out, which is that you've now started watching Hunter x Hunter, which is possibly the best anime in existence. Uh, that is something I've missed out. I was gonna, I actually completely forgot because clearly it's not, it's not yet hit the point where I'm like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Mate, it's going to change your life. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Oh, maybe I can do like a new series of on YouTube, which would make watching TV shows more productive. Kind of lessons I learned from Hunter x Hunter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you never never go back on your word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Absolutely right. So that's my next. That's I my will be Hokage. <laughs> that's my ninja way. <laughs> All right, that's 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 quite enough. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.
That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics, we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum, question, or just anything that we could discuss. Yeah, if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion, email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. If you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly, that's fine as well. Tweet or DM us at nOverthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.